the biggest stories from the pages of the London Free Press and LFPress.com. This is the London Free Press Podcast with your host, Rachel Gilbert. Hello and welcome to the London Free Press Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Gilbert. Last month, we learned about a massive $25 million donation from an anonymous family to help with homelessness in London. And now at the time, we didn't know much about how the money would be used or where it would be spent. But we are now learning more about the so-called audacious plan to help those living on London streets. Joining me today is London Free Press reporter Randy Richmond. Hey, Randy, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Good. I actually didn't expect to talk to you this soon after we did our first story because we didn't have much information um, about a month ago when we first talked about this donation, uh, $25 million, which is humongous. Um, but they've there's a lot of people doing a lot of work so far in this time. Um, so just talk about, maybe give us a little background about the donation and what its intended use was. Right. Well, so it's... Uh, I agree. It, we, it didn't take long for about 200 people from 70 different organizations. Uh, they only started meeting last fall. They met three times since last fall. They were trying to come up with a plan, a different kind of way of approaching homelessness and healthcare for homeless people. And they've announced, uh, unveiled that plan. They call it a system. They say it's too big for a plan. So they're calling it a new system. Mm. And it's basically given a lot of life by a $25 million donation uh, that we spoke about from a private donor who wishes to be anonymous, but that we've learned is a couple okay, uh, here in London. And so with that money, leveraging more money and this plan that we're system that was outlined on uh, just Tuesday, Tuesday morning, it, you know, things are coming together with a, as you say, audacious uh, new way of approaching homelessness. Those are the words used by some of the participants. Yeah. And I think it kind of describes this sort of wholesale overhaul and some of the risks that they're taking in trying to do things so differently. This is... um this is audacious. I mean, this is a, a system that's really, and now that we're calling it a system, this has not been done before. And I I think is is London and, and all the partners involved hoping that what they create here could be used elsewhere? They they are indeed. And, and to a person, they say there's nothing like it elsewhere in Ontario, maybe Canada. Kingston is trying something similar, but nothing like this where, uh, and what makes it so audacious as well is nothing like this where there's developers and business leaders and hospital leaders joining the usual suspects, which are city hall officials and frontline social service workers in trying to create this new system. So they are hoping. And in fact, uh, one of the person who helped uh, give the donation, the uh, real estate uh, uh, leader, Marcus Plowright, he called on Londoners to show the whole country how we can do things. So it's, you know, it's one of those instances in London history where we can do something different and maybe inspire others to do something different. Mm -hmm. um, again, it's risky though. And uh, it's got a lot of work ahead of it. Yeah. And they're not just relying on each other, the partners involved in this, they're actually calling on Londoners, calling on us to help donate because uh, this couple will match some, some of those donations. Is that right? Right. So the, the site's called fund for change and the donors have said, not only are they going to give $25 million, but if Londoners come up with another five, they'll match it. So the whole fund will start off with $35 million. People who know about this kind of money, and I'm not one of them. Uh, <laughs> so you can leverage that kind of money to get more money from other donors. You can inspire other 
very well off and good-hearted people to give millions. And then you can go to the province and the federal government and say, hey, we've got some startup money already. The other thing is if they go, if Londoners, and by Londoners, I mean all of us, including our leaders in all the sectors, if they all go together, if you've got a big developer and a hospital exec and a social service agency, and they all go to the province and federal government and saying, hey, we've got this new system. It's, you know, backed by everybody. We need your money. And they need provincial dollars too. The donation is fantastic, but it's not nearly enough mm-hmm. to do the things they want to do, which is, you know, build some, they want to create 24 uh, seven sort of shelter slash hubs. And they want to have 600 housing units with high supports for mental and physical health care and addiction care. That's going to take a lot of money to build and especially operate. Yeah, there, there. Um, so you, you mentioned the six hundred. I was going to ask about this six hundred uh, high supported housing units. Some of those they want to build immediately, but they will all kind of be built over time. Six hundred is a lot, and how many will each unit serve? How many people? Well, that's a good question. I mean, there should be some family units as well as some single units. Okay, so maybe six hundred would get oh, I don't know, seven hundred or so people off this off the streets or off the um, the list of people who need housing. And, you know, that each hub serves about 25 to 35. They're talking about 15 hubs. So you'd go in there, you could get referred there by anybody through one phone number. You get 24-7 shelter, flexible shelter. You can come and go as you want. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to follow so many rules. And once you're there, you're going to have a multitude of people and agencies wrapping around you, as they like to say, and trying to get you housing and, and supports that you want. And then you're going to go to housing, but that's that's a that's kind of the barrier, right? London, I think, can with developers on board and businesses and everybody involved and the big donations can probably build the shelter hubs. Um, yeah. But then getting them out into housing, as we know in London, it's not going to be easy. Like nobody's built um, this kind of housing in London or in the province for decades, and now they want to build this kind of housing and have all those people supporting in the hubs running out to these apartments, units and whatever, helping people there too. It's a massive ask, a massive task. Mm-hmm. But as they pointed out, nothing's worked so far. And, you know, I think it was the deaths, the increasing number of deaths of homeless people um, became more and more apparent last summer, last fall. And I think all these agencies and organizations that sometimes competed with each other for dollars and attention, they said, mm-hmm. that's it. Enough is enough. We have to try something different. Yeah, I was I was going to say a lot of these. Um, I mean, the organizations have said we work as silos. We work individually, um, but and they haven't really had to all work together before. Maybe they have on on certain projects or whatever. Um, but th- this is a big thing for all of them, and they can all kind of help one another, really, because they all they're all experts, and so now they can come together to do it. They are, and and you know they've they've all recognized each other's expert, but there's been territorial turf wars there's been they've been competing for the same city and provincial dollars they have their funding envelopes and their um plans that they have to follow to get funding and so that that sometimes leads to those silos Mm -hmm. it's been exasperating for people on the outside as well people like you and i to follow and try to understand and it's exasperating frustrating for homeless people or people looking for housing to bounce from agency to agency door to door and this one can give you health care but can't give you ID and this one give you ID, but not housing and so on and so on and so on. And it just, people fall through the cracks. Yeah. And it's very easy. Very easy. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. Um, talk about the deaths, because I think in your story, you mentioned about 200, 200 deaths. Can you just expand on that since since the beginning of the pandemic? Is that right? Yeah, basically, since the beginning of 2020, there's been more than 200. I think we're up to 207 now. Uh, wow. I might not have that right, right. But that's and those are only reported deaths. There could be more we don't know about. And it started to um, build in that first year. And then in 2021 and 2022, just, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of people dying. And, you know, already, I think in January, January, we had seven officially mm-hmm. counted deaths. Um, we don't know about February yet. And, you know, that's that's a horrible pace. If that continues this year, we're going to be setting new records. And everybody agrees. And all the people who were the different agencies, the different silos, they all were trying to help. And the deaths have affected all of them. Mm-hmm. So I think that was, a, that was a catalyst, basically, for this. And, you know, they're going to have to change. These agencies and organizations are going to have to change some of their culture, some of their policies. They're going to have to take a step back and say, we might lose a staff member to this effort or gain here. Nobody knows for sure yet. So there's going to be, you know, there's still going to be challenges along the way. There might be some resistance uh, at some point. But right now, everybody I've talked to, which is a couple dozen leaders and frontline workers, say they're on board. They're willing to do whatever it takes, put aside egos, organizational structures, whatever culture to get this done. It sounds like right now we're just kind of getting the big ideas out there. Like this is the general goal of what we would like to happen. Um, are we hammering out any details? Are those yet to come? I mean, there's a there's a lot to be worked out, obviously. There is so much to be worked out. You're right. They have to work out. Um, well, one thing they have to start with, they're going to start in March, is the governance of it, which is basically, mm-hmm. I mean, who who runs this thing? And yeah. who decides where 25 million plus goes? And where does it go first? All these things. And so they're going to have to get, and you know, this is some, a lot of executives or organizations, they know how to run things. So you know, they should know how to do this, but it's, there's a lot of complex organizations here. They're all going to have to meld together to one kind of body overseeing it and overseeing the money. And then they have to, at the same time they're doing that, they have to advocate provincially and federally for money, both separately and together. And then they have to start uh, designing and building the hubs to start off with. Now, developers tell me there's there's buildings, there's land, there's expertise, there's lots of help available. I believe from what I've talked to from developers, they are happy and eager to jump in and help build and help mm. plan to get those first five. They want to get five up the first year. Okay. They say that can be done. Um but, and how many yeah. hubs are we going to have? Was it 15? Up to 15, they figured okay. throughout the city. Yeah. And five. Supporting the- those 600 units. Right. So five, yeah, 15 hubs and then people passing through those hubs to 600 units. Yeah. For In the near future anyways. Okay. And who's who has the money right now? Who's in charge of the money right now? Well, that's it's, no one's really in charge of the money. It's sitting at the London Community Foundation, which of course is a, you know, a big foundation in, in London and knows what to do with money and invest it and, and get some money back. But it's kind of in a, I guess, a bank account, so to speak, a fund. And they're collecting and managing the rest of the money coming in, the donations coming in. And the, I don't think the big, like the big corporate campaign for donations, you know, tapping on the shoulder of wealthy friends, that hasn't started yet. Mm-hmm. It's just been regular people saying, I want to help out right now. So I, I think the money will grow. So right now it's just sitting there. 
Um, it's safe, it's secure, but no one is actually spending it or, or deciding what to do with it yet. Till we come up with a plan and who's and decide who's who's going to spend it and try right. and, and, and those and decisions. I'm not sure. I, I don't know if they've thought of does the first five million go to build a hub or I or does it just go to operate it? I think they can use some of that to build the hubs, but right now they're being very cautious. And right now they just want to use that money to inspire and leverage for more money. Makes sense. Another thing that I find fascinating about this donation is that it was it came with no strings attached other than they wanted it to go towards homelessness. Is that right? That, that Yeah, that is strange. And um, the London Community Foundation um, fund developer, uh, Diane Silva, spoke about that at, at the press conference on Tuesday, saying that, you know, they've been trying to work with their big donors throughout the pandemic, saying, you know, the best kind of donations for us, for the foundation, for the city, have no strings attached. Like, let us use the money for what we see is the best. So this, she said, was quite surprising, uh, quite welcome to see this one come in with no strings attached, just homelessness. In fact, these people, this couple gave money before they knew the, before they knew what the plan was. I mean, they just knew there was a plan coming. They knew people were working on it and they okay. said, okay, we got to do something different ourselves because they'd been frustrated by handing out millions over the last few years without seeing any impact or enough impact. So they took this big leap of faith. Here's $25 million for a system we don't know about yet. Go. So that's, that's pretty huge. And that's, I think that really, really inspired and gave life to especially frontline workers who've been struggling for a long time mm -hmm. to see that someone uh, cared that much. Yeah. I think that really helped a lot. I think that that's, I'm just, I'm in awe of these people and I wish they weren't anonymous only <laughs> selfishly because I want to know who are these amazing people giving this money um, with no strings attached, not knowing really what it's going to be going to and could actually like, I'm tearing up at thinking about this because this has been such an ongoing and it's a chronic issue, homelessness, of course, but this could really change the way we deal with homelessness across Ontario, Canada, just because of these generous people. I know it is amazing. It is astonishing. And I'm like you, I think I think all of London would like to say yay. Yeah. Great them. Uh, I, there was a great moment at the press conference where Marcus, um, who helped arrange the donation, had said, you know, they're, they're watching it. The couple's watching the live stream of this press conference. Mm -hmm. Can we say thanks? And everybody stood up and applaud, turned to the cameras and applauded. And it was a great moment. Amazing. And, and I hope it gave that couple some joy that, you know, yeah, we recognize what you're, what you're doing and this incredible commitment and leap of faith. And as you say, I mean, it could change the way we deal with homelessness in all kinds of cities across Canada. Yeah, absolutely. So what are the next steps? What are we looking at? I know that they've uh, a lot of these leaders have had several summits that they summits, they call them already. Are there I'm sure there's more planned, but what's what are the next steps coming? Well, I've heard that they've, they've actually been meeting um, they've already had a meeting with about 40 or so leaders and um, some of the organizations are trying to say, whoa, pull back. Like they want to jump in. They want to start governance right away. They want to, they want to, they want to get going. Right. So yeah. that's be the, I think that's going to take up a lot of March, perhaps April is getting that governance model so that people can figure out what to do at the same time. I think there's a lot of parallel things going on. I think at the same time, I know developers, Mike Wallace of the Development Institute, you know, they, he was saying that, They've already been saying to saying to organizations, well, how many square feet do you need? What do you need? What do you need? Like, give us give us ideas. We'll get your plans. Okay. So that's going on at the same time, even before they get the governance going. I think people are working, you know, saying what we need. What could be the first steps? 
Right. Um, you know, the advocacy is going to happen as well. So these kind of things are going on at once. I couldn't tell you which is going to come first, to be honest. I'm not sure they know. They might, uh, but I, I don't know. There's so many parallel uh, paths are taking at once. And, you know, they, they have to move fast because there's momentum, right? Mm-hmm. The worst thing that could happen is that momentum dies. So they are, and they know that, they're smart people. Yeah, so they're yeah. communicating with each other a lot. They're, they, they've they already said publicly or to the public through media, you know, be, be patient. There'll be some failures. There's some things won't work. There'll be bumps. Yep. But, yeah. you know, it's taken a long time to get here. This crisis is going to take a long time to solve it. So just please be patient. And they want to keep in touch with each other. And, you know, it's it's a massive undertaking. I, I you know, there's no way I could even imagine organizing something like this. But I could also not imagine three years ago, a year ago, that 200 people from different sectors, including economic recovery and business development, would sit in a, in a room three times and agree on anything, never mind right. this massive plan, right? It's so true. I mean, the fact that they've done this amount of work in such a short amount of time blows my mind. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, thank you, Randy. I I just love this story because I think it's just so uplifting and great. And it just shows how great London is as a whole. So we'll definitely be following your stories on lfpress.com. And I'm sure we'll hear from more of you, uh, more from you maybe next month. <laughs> <laughs> great. Thanks. Thanks, Randy. 